Welcome to the Christian Life Church Podcast. We hope that you enjoy and are encouraged by this week's message. And if so, we would love for you to visit clcwinnipeg.ca to get further connected with our ministry, to submit a prayer request, or to find out how you can take the next step in your relationship with Jesus Christ. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Christian Life Church Winnipeg. And we pray that you would be blessed through the message you're about to hear. There was a husband that was reading an article, and many of you know this, you've heard various uh, stories about this, but he was reading an article and he was telling his wife how in this article, uh, women use 30,000 words a day, and men only use about 15,000. And she says, in reply, she says, that's because we have to repeat everything to men. And he turned and looked at his wife and he said, what? <laughs> so that is definitely a, a case. And, you know, it's, it's funny, it's interesting, but I have conversations with men uh, often. And the thing that we talk about probably the most and laugh about the most is how ineffective we are at listening to our wives. And if there's anything that a lot of husbands get in trouble for, it's, uh, it's not listening. Do you find that to be the case, uh, Sherry? Joanne said something to me the other day, and I asked her about it a, a few days later. She said, Jim, I told you that. I told you that. I st- stood there and I told you. I had no recollection. And so it's either not listening or I've got some other issues that are coming up. But uh, I think it's not listening. I love the fact that we now have smartphones. Because um, now Joanne, when she sends me to the grocery store, um, I can stand there. She says, you know, pick up such and such an item. I can stand there and take a picture of what I think she said I was supposed to get and say, is this what you want? And send it to her. And invariably, I might be in the wrong aisle and looking at completely the wrong thing. But uh, yeah, we have problems listening. One of the other areas that we may have problems listening is also listening to God. And I want to talk to you today about recognizing the voice of God in our lives. And learning to recognize when the Spirit of God is speaking to us. And so if we take our Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 16, verse 6 to 10, there's an interesting uh, story here. This would have been Paul, the Apostle Paul's second missionary journey that was taking place in about 49 to 50 AD. Uh, It would have taken them through what is now modern-day Turkey. And uh, so just to give you a, a reference as to where they were traveling, It says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, and having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia, when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, and that would have been uh, north of where they were going into uh, probably northern Turkey. But the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. And so they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas, 
And during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. It's important for us to be able to recognize the voice of God in our lives. It's important for us to be able to recognize when the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and when the Holy Spirit is prompting you and when the Holy Spirit is convicting you because there are many other voices in this world that are very anti-Christ. There is also spiritual opposition and spiritual attacks that we go through And then we have to struggle oftentimes with discerning the difference between what's in our own head and what is of God. And so I want to share with us some uh, simple truths on listening to the voice of God from this passage of Scripture. And as we go through this message, um, we see that we make the plans, but he makes the way. And so as we look at verse 6, we see that Paul and his companions are, are traveling through Phrygia and Galatia, but they're kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. They're kept by the Holy Spirit from doing that. And so we see this, this thing happening here where uh, Jesus came, Jesus died, Jesus rose from the dead, Jesus appeared, uh, among the disciples, and then they watch Jesus ascend into the he- into heaven. Then, and we see in Acts chapter two, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. The apostles are filled with the Holy Spirit, and they're going out and they're preaching with great authority and with great power, and they're they're spreading the word of God. So y- you could say that the church was on the move. They were doing something. They were active, and. They were led as they moved. You can write that down in your notes. They were led by the Holy Spirit as they moved from place to place, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as they went about, the, about doing the work of the Lord, they were led by the Lord. They were directed by the Lord. And, and even though they may have had certain plans, God had the right to sort of interrupt them. And we think of a, a Bible verse in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9, it says, In their hearts humans plan their courses, but the Lord establishes their steps. And we actually see that happening here is is they had plans. They were, well, we're going to go here, and we're going to go there, and we're going to go here, and we're going to preach the gospel. They had great intentions and plans to preach the word, but the Lord was establishing their steps. And along the way, he was leading them. They had a great plan God had a specific plan. And so the Lord determines our steps. What do we learn from this? Well, one of the things we see and, 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 and learn from this is they were active. They were out there doing something. And we heard this story today about Simon. And, and what is he doing? He's, he's leading these children. He's providing a home. He's providing a school. But he's up against the wall with housing these children and having a place for them. And so every day we hear he's, he's in the government offices trying to, to make a way. 
but he's having every day to trust the Lord to lead him and guide him. And he may be banging on some doors and the Lord may close those doors because he's got something else planned. But God always has a plan. So be active. Determined to serve God. Determined to serve God in your context. Whatever that context is, be active in serving God. Find a place to serve. Find a mission. Find a ministry. Find a cause and throw yourself into it and say, I'm going to spend my days serving God. I'm not just going to live for myself. And realize that we all have a gift. We all have a calling. Paul's calling and his gift was to spread the gospel. But as we have looked at our own spiritual gifts, we have many gifts in our church. Find a place to serve and to use your gift. And as you serve, serve with an ear inclined to the Lord's voice and listen to the voice of God. Follow God. It's important that every day we're listening to God and waiting for him to lead us and guide us. It, it, could, you know, it could be a very, a very simple thing. It could be a very simple thing, like, like drawing near to somebody you're working with who you just sense the Lord is, is wanting you to talk to them, ask how they're doing, and maybe if they share a, a burden or something, just to say, can I pray for you? It could be something that's simple. Number two, we find that we need to understand that um, God closes doors. God closes doors. Now, we know that, that God opens doors, and we oftentimes pray that God will open doors. But there is this other aspect of God that maybe we don't like as much, and that is the fact that sometimes God closes doors. If you look back at, at 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10, about 15 years ago, this was really popular, the, the prayer of Jabez. And uh, a, a really good little book had come out about that. I encourage you to read it if you, have what, if you don't have it, get it. And, uh, but Jabez was a young man. And listen to what it says. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that, so that I will be free from pain. And God granted this request. Now, when we think of Jabez, he was a young man who had learned to value the blessing of God in his life. And he actually asks God to bless him. He valued the blessing of God, and he said, God, I pray that you'd bless me. I pray that you'd bless my life, that you would enlarge my territory, give me more influence, give me more leadership, give me more responsibility. Lord, enlarge my territory. And he has this confidence in God that, that he would bless him, and this confidence in God that, that, that this blessing was available and, and that he needed it. And when we pray oftentimes, we're praying kind of like Jabez, Lord, open this door and open that door. And Lord, would you lead me here? And Lord, could you, could you have this happen? And indeed it happens. It happens an awful lot. But every one of us will experience closed doors as well. And it's part of the journey of life. It's part of serving God. It's part of, of, of submitting our lives to Christ. The fact that, that God closes doors and, or God allows doors to be closed. I had a very strong sense in my heart when we watched 
that Overcomers Orphanage get destroyed on the news in September of 2018, that God had something better for them. Now, they haven't walked into it yet, but I believe God still has something better for them. The door's closed, and, and other doors are closing, but maybe they're just not the right doors that need to open yet. God may close doors on the best of plans and intentions. He may close doors on the best of plans and intentions. And the apostles had the plans and the intentions to go and to preach the gospel in a certain area, but the Lord closed the door. And here's a lesson that we need to understand and know. That the Lord closes doors not to wreck our plans. The Lord closes doors not to ruin your life. The Lord closes doors not to make your life miserable. The Lord closes doors because he has a better plan. Amen? You believe it? The Lord will close doors because he has a better plan. And he is another way. And he's not closing doors to be nasty to us. He loves us. And he has great things in store. And so it's important for us to learn to trust and to follow and to obey. And as we do that, we'll grow and we'll learn and we'll mature and we'll become more like Christ. And it's important to know that, that not only does the Lord say go, there are times the Lord says stop or go another direction. And that was certainly what they were experiencing in Acts chapter six, 16. You say, no, I don't want you going there. I want you going here. It's important to know that the Lord sometimes closes doors. Third point I want to make this morning is, is some of the unconventional ways of being led. And we certainly see some of those unconventional ways in this passage of Scripture. But I'd like us to, to look back at uh, one of my favorite characters in the Bible, and that would be Nehemiah. And we recognize, we're going to look at Nehemiah chapter 4 and chapter 6. But it's important for us to learn to hear and to follow and to discern God's voice. And one of the key reasons why it's necessary for us to do that is because we are in a conflict. We are in a battle. We are in a spiritual battle. And the enemy uses weapons against the children of God, the church of God, to try and thwart the plans of God and to try to stop the work of God from going forward. I want to give you a little example of that. As you know, we started Zed Church uh, last week. And everything was going along really well. But I've been in ministry long enough to know that we have an enemy and he does not like it when God's work goes forward. And so I was kind of waiting and waiting for the other shoe to drop. Waiting to see what kind of opposition the enemy would rise up against us. Well, this week it happened. Scott was coming into work. He goes out to his car it's been broken into. The night before, he had uh, lost all his documents on his computer. And he said to me, Dad, he said, it feels like, like there's an attack on my time. I'm trying to do all this work. And he says, I can't seem to get ahead. And I said, that's okay. You know, it's just the enemy 
he's attacking. Later that day, later that day, I get a call from Todd and his vehicle, uh, the battery had died on it and his poor wife was, was stuck in a, not a very nice part of Winnipeg, downtown Winnipeg, with a dead car. And his father-in-law, what do you do? You say, well, <laughs> I'm on my way. And so between Scott and Todd, this, this whole day was shot. And there was this recognition that one of the things that the enemy does is he tries to, to do whatever he can to thwart the plans of God. And, and, you know, we're looking at this and you got a busy week ahead and you got a ton of things to do and you got responsibilities to be there for and, and all of this stuff happening. And then he, he just throws kind of a hand grenade in the middle of the plans. And it goes on and on. And other attacks that, that we find ourselves going through. But I want to point your attention to Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 2 right now. Because we see how the enemy works here. It says, and so background to the story is, is Nehemiah had gone to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls. Now the enemies of Jerusalem obviously didn't want the walls to go up because it meant that Jerusalem would begin to prosper again, that the people would be strengthened again, that they would have a way to defend themselves again. And the enemy obviously didn't want the walls to go up because it would make it a lot more difficult for them. And they wanted to keep these Jews down. And so God calls Nehemiah to go and rebuild the walls. They're in the middle of the project. And we pick up the story from there. And in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, this is one of the enemies, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from the heaps of rubble burned as they are? And Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at, the, at his side, said, what are they building? Even if a fox climbed up on it, he'd break down their wall of stones. And Nehemiah prays, Hear us, O God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in the land of captivity. Don't cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. And so we built the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the men of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's wall had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry, and they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our Lord God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Verse 11 says, Also our enemies said, Before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them, and we will kill all of them and put an end to their work. And then you go over to Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 6. We pick up the story. And it says in, there is a letter, an open letter that was sent out. It's reported among the nations in Geshem. It says it's true that you and the Jews are plotting the revolt and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you're about to become their king and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation that you in Jerusalem, that there is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king. So come, let us confer together. Verse 10. One day I went to the house of Shemaiah, son of Deliah, the son of Mehetabal, 
who was shut in at his home. And he said, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple. And let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you. By night they are coming to kill you. So we see some stuff happening here. I want to break it down. There are all kinds of tactics that you see the enemy working against God's people here. In Nehemiah 4.2, we see intimidation. You ever feel intimidated? It happens. Persecution. We're going to stir up trouble. We're going to attack you guys. We're going to kill you. Distraction. They're looking at all the rubble and their hearts are fainting because they look at all the rubble. And how many times have we in our lives looked at our lives and we've seen the problems, we've seen the distractions, we've seen the trouble, we've seen the rubble of our life and it disheartens us. Fear is another one. Verse 11, chapter 4, verse 11. They try to instill fear and fear is one of the greatest weapons that the enemy uses against a Christian today. Fear, fear of man, fear of being called out, fear of being singled out. And he likes to intimidate. Accusation, chapter 6. All kinds of accusations. Oh, it's obvious you guys are conspiring to raise up a king and rebel against the king. Boy, when the king hears this, you're going to be in big trouble. Lies, absolute lies, spoken against the people of God, and threats. One of the things I want to say and make it really clear here is we do have an enemy, and Satan will attack our minds, he will attack our thought life, and he will attack our emotions. This past week, after this week of, or this day of trouble, I went to bed that night, and, and, and being very sensitized to the fact that it felt as though we were under attack, and I went to sleep that night, and I had a dream, the weirdest dream I've ever had. And it was of our annual meeting last year. And Joanne, in this dream, was showing me a list of all the things that people were thinking while we were leading this meeting. And it was the weirdest dream because, because in this dream, it was like, well, you said this and they didn't trust you. And you said this, and this one thought you were lying. And you said this, and, and, and you lost credibility. And it was this list of all the things. And I woke up and I thought, my goodness. <laughs> Can't he do any better than that? <laughs> Fear and intimidation. Attacking the mind. Out of the blue. No reason to think these things. No reason to, to dream about these things. For sure, absolutely no reason. But you see, the enemy will attack with lies, with threats, with things to instill fear in your heart, to say you can't go forward. And the whole reason he does it is to weaken you and to stop you from doing what God wants you to do. So recognize it when it happens. You might say, well, are you sure? This kind of sounds like fairy tales. Well, you go back to first or to Job chapter 1, verse 9 to 11, and, and see the encounter between Satan and God where Satan is saying, hey, what about you attacking Job and you taking your blessing off of Job? I'll bet you if you stop blessing him, he'll curse you and he'll die. And God says, okay, how about her? And Satan takes out his family and takes out his flocks and herds and, and still Job remains faithful to God. It happens. So what do we do? Well, in Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 9, it says, they were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But I prayed, 
Now strengthen my hands. Church, double down on the work of God when you come under attack. Don't retreat. You double down. Strengthen my hands and you keep going forward. You don't listen to the lies. You keep going. And we're reminded in Revelation chapter, chapter 12, verse 10, Satan is called what? The accuser of the brethren. That's what he does. We think of John chapter 8, verse 44, where Satan is described as a liar, as a father of lies, that the truth is not in him, that his native language is lies. So when you wake up from a a disturbing dream and you realize it's not of God, it's from the father of lies, you just double down and say, Lord, strengthen my hands, and you keep going. Because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. So as we end this message this morning, I want to uh, just quickly recap some of the ways God speaks to us and some of the ways God leads us. As we see in Acts chapter 16, verse 9, the Holy Spirit prevented them from going forward. I don't know how, but it could have been an inner knowing. It could have been a lack of peace. It could have been this sense of, I don't think we're supposed to go there. I don't know why, but I don't think we're supposed to go there. And they attributed it to the Holy Spirit. But then we see that they had a vision. They had a dream, a vision of a, mass, a man from Macedonia saying, come on here and, 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 and preach to us. So dreams and visions are ways that God speaks to his people. There may be um, a sense of, of knowing. In Acts chapter 13, verse 2, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work for which I've called them. They just knew. The Lord spoke. The Lord impressed it upon their hearts. They just knew. And sometimes as you're being led by the Lord, there is a strong sense of knowing in your spirit that something is of God. Another way that the Lord speaks to us is through the word of God. Think of Psalm 119, verse 5, 105, where it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The word of God will will show you, will direct you, and there will be times when you're looking for God's direction and you'll be reading the Bible and the Holy Spirit will lay something on your heart and you will know that God has spoken to you through his word. And everything that that God leads us into needs to ultimately line up with the word of God. I want to be clear on that. And another way is through the affirmation of others. Uh, There's a passage of scripture in Acts chapter 15, verse 28, where it says that, It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. And I'll tell you, as your leadership team, your pastor's council, there are many times when when we sense that the Holy Spirit is wanting us to do something. It seemed good to us in the Holy Spirit a year and a half ago to talk about starting Zed Church and, and reaching out to the next generation. It seemed good to us in the Holy Spirit. Did it make sense in the balance sheet? No, but it made sense in the Spirit. And we need to be listening to the Holy Spirit. Another way the Holy Spirit speaks to us is through spiritual gifts and prophecy and words of knowledge and words of wisdom and exhortation. 